Soul Train, the hippest trip in America, with guest stars Rick James, the SOS Band, and the Soul Train Dancers. And now, here's your host, Don Cornelia. Hey there, and welcome aboard. You're right on time for another fun ride on the Soul Train. We get right back to you with a great sound by Cameo, right after these very important messages. It really was an epic night. I had a blast, and I won't forget this one for a long time, that's for sure. Did you do any drinking after the show? No, we kind of just uh, came back to the hotel. I was in line at 9 a.m., so I was exhausted. Uh, the show, you don't get in until 5, so I was in line for 8 hours outside. So oh, wait, 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 You were in line huh? for 8 hours? Why are you in line when you have tickets? Well, I got an email from Ruth, the P1, on Saturday when I landed in L.A., and she said, hey, I just got this. You might want it. It said on the email, if you're in line and you're in the first 30 people, you get to go to the dress rehearsal. So you knew damn sure I was going to be in that one of the first 30. Oh, my <laughs> God. Just so we could go to the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. Why? So Why did you want to go? Was that worth all those hours in line? Yeah, it was. That's when I got to talk to Ryan. Yeah, was, That's pretty intimate. Yeah, would you like wait eight hours in line for anything? Then? No. No. Yeah, I would. I, I wouldn't wait eight hours in line for, for life-saving medicine. To see a U2 sound check, I'd wait eight hours. I'd wait eight days if I could make it. It's not that hard. You're just sitting there. Yeah, yeah, it's, but, and, yeah. And, and you're Tony, so it's not like, <laughs> you know, what else is there to do? Hey. Oh, uh, can you hear You're me? Still on Can the you line. hear everything I say? Don't bring me down, Gordon. I'm having a good no, time. No, I'm not. Gordon, I'm bring trying, him down. He had the night of his life. I'm trying to convince him Tony. that it was... Howdy ho, everyone. This is the Ballroom Blitz. I am Tony the Engineer. Welcome back. Well, here we go. Episode three of the Ballroom Blitz for season 32 of Dancing with the Stars. And we'll be covering week two, uh, which was Latin night in the ballroom. And it occurred on Tuesday night, October 3rd. So uh, you know Latin night, what that's going to mean. A lot of uh, hip shaking and uh, sexy costumes and outfits. And so it'll be a lot of fun to talk about that in a couple minutes. But first, we need to do a couple cleanups from last week. Uh, number one, let's look at the ratings for the opening uh, show last week, the premiere episode. You know me, I'm always interested in the ratings because you got to have ratings in the radio and TV business. And so... I really had no clue what to expect. When, when Dancing with the Stars was last on ABC, season 30, uh, the premiere episode garnered about 5.4 million people. And, uh, you know, the glory days were gone. We've talked about that many times. Uh, and starting in season 26, things went south with Andrew Linares as producer. And we used to always be neck and neck with The Voice but uh, as the number one reality show. But 
that ended then, and it was never going to come back. And I didn't expect it to uh, this season either. But I was a little curious because I'm like, what about all the ABC people that watched it on ABC, rather? You know, they left. A lot of them did. A lot of them said, listen, we're not going to pay for Disney+. Plus, And, you know, if you move to that, we're done with it. And I bet you some of those folks are done with it. You know, they, the casual fan that maybe was watching it on ABC because it was free and it was network TV – when it went to Disney Plus last season, they probably didn't miss it. They're like, okay, I'm not watching it. And they didn't, and their life went on, and everything's fine. And they may not have come back. But I was really hoping that most of the older viewers, especially, that watched Dancing with the Stars on ABC would come back. And so that was going to be big. And then I wondered, too, since it's going to be simulcast on uh, Disney Plus, Maybe we got some new viewers of the younger variety on Disney Plus last year, and would they stick around? So maybe the combination of the two wouldn't be so bad. But we had no idea how many people watched on Disney Plus last year, so so who knows? Anyways, the overnight ratings on ABC, uh, I mentioned, uh, like I told you, in season 30, the last time we were on ABC, 5.4 million. Week one of this uh, season, season 32, garnered 4.8 million. So not as much, and I didn't expect it to be as much. In fact, in season 30, when it was last on, uh, even though it started out at 5.4, the premiere episode's always very big compared to the rest of the season, uh, it settled into like a 4.7 to 5.1 kind of uh, range, I guess you would say, every week. So around 5 million was probably the average for season 30. And I'm like, and I'm like, boy, if we can sniff 5 million this season for season 32, I'm going to be very happy. So when I saw 4.8 million, I was ecstatic. I thought that's pretty darn good. Now, again, the voice is long gone. They were over 6 million. And now we've got other shows beating it, reality shows. Uh, America's Got Talent, uh, Survivor, and it's sad to see that, but we knew the damage that was done, and I was expecting that. But to be as close to 5 million as that 4.8 number is, like I said, very happy. Well, then I waited a couple days, and I saw another article, and it said, if you add in the multi-platform viewing of Dancing with the Stars, and I'm assuming that means the Disney Plus viewing of it or uh, broadcasting of it, and then it is also broadcast on Hulu uh, the next day. Now, I don't know if that's included in the multi-platforming number. There's just so much of this I don't understand or know about. But anyways, when they said you add in the multi-platforming number, it was 6.5 million. And now you're up in the voice territory for their just showing their show on NBC. So I haven't seen any you know deep, deep diving articles about analyzing the, the numbers. But from my little perspective, I'm thinking that's fantastic. And so very happy to see that. Uh, let's see here. Oh, is there anything else to add on that? I guess not. I just wanted to, to alert you guys that, hey, <laughs> even though we talked about how much fun that first week was and, and we're comfortable with everything, the numbers kind of reflect it too. So it'll be interesting to see as they go into uh, next week or this week now, uh, week two, how do the numbers get affected? Because you know there's, you know there's going to be a drop-off, but I'm going to be looking for the uh, the core ABC numbers again, and then that multi-platform number, I think, is pretty important uh, since they have the advantage of having another broadcasting method over everyone else on network TV. Uh, number two, uh, Alfonso and Julianne. You know, I didn't talk about them much last week, and that's a big change from, from last year. Alfonso taking over the hosting role and Julianne moving into the Skybox interviewer co-host role. 
and role, and I wasn't too worried about it. I think I told you I was excited about the move. They're both friends of the show. Uh, they're both professionals. They know the show inside and out. And I thought anything is going to be better than last season and the season before with just Tyra alone. And it was. I thought it was great last week. Sure, there were some occasional flubs, and that's going to happen as they get used to each other and, and, and settle into their roles. But I have no concerns about that at all. We got people that love the show, people that want to be there, people that have enthusiasm, and they're both professionals. I think they're going to be fine, especially as they mesh along. And I think they're fine now. Um, There was a thing last week that I didn't even bring up with Alfonso because to me it was a a non-issue. I can't remember. I think it was after Jason's dance, Jason Mraz's dance. You know how it goes. Uh, They do the dance, and then the judges do their scoring, and they hand off their score to some somebody uh, in the producer's area. And then Alfonso talks to them and get the judges critiques. And then they run up to the skybox and talk to Julianne and then they do the numbers. So the judges have to turn in their scores right away after the dance. So right away, the producers know what the judges gave them. Well, I'm sure what probably happened is they saw that, I think it was a 21 Jason had last week. They put that up on the graphics for the leaderboard and that's probably up on the teleprompter for Alfonso. So he interviews them and stuff. And as they get ready to go up to the skybox, Alfonso said, let's look at the leaderboard. And, of course, the leaderboard graphic on TV didn't have Jason's number up there yet because they hadn't announced the scores yet. Well, whatever Alfonso was reading, it said, in the lead is Jason and Daniela at 21. And then I can't remember verbatim what he said, but he basically said, ah, we can't say that just yet or right now because they hadn't announced the scores. And of course, on social media, everybody's going crazy. Oh, I knew it. The show's rigged. They, they, they know what the scores are before they even dance and all that. And of course, that's not the way it happens. As I told you, they turn in the scores immediately after the dance, and then they know what that score is. So like I said, on the teleprompter, they probably just put on there, Jason's in the lead, and Alfonso just read it. And you know, it's a mistake that shouldn't happen in a show this long in the tooth, but who knows who does that teleprompter? Is that the writer that was on strike? Maybe he's just getting <laughs> back into the swing of things. I don't know. But it, like I said, it was so minor, I didn't even mention it. But uh, thought I'd bring it up this week since we're kind of doing a little scoreboard for them. But I have no problem with Alfonso and Julianne going forward. And then I, I do want to briefly touch on last week. There, were no, there was no judges save. And I sent an email to Kristen Burt, the uh, knower of all things Dancing with the Stars, and asked her, because I was just hoping against hope. Is this a one-time thing? Like for whatever reason on the opening night, they decided not to do it. And she said, no, this is a full season thing. And as always, this is the producer's show and they don't have to explain themselves, but I would love to know the reasoning behind that. Why would you take away the judges save when that was one of the very few things Lenaris did that was good in his run? Of course, he had to do it because of all the other bad mistakes he made, but I don't know why you'd take that away. So we just got to live with it and deal with it. And uh, who knows? Uh, it's possible, I guess, that it could come back maybe in future seasons if we have future seasons. So, all right, well, let's get on to Latin night. Well, like I said, you knew, and the opening number was so great. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you knew there was going to be scantily clad outfits and uh, a lot of sexy movements and hips galore out there because the Latin dances are pretty spicy. And, of course, it started out with a great pro number. As always, 
I, I keep bringing it up. And in the old days, the pro number was, you know, just we had it every week, so not a big deal. But because it went away in COVID and we had so many other things on the show not do so well the last few seasons, whenever I see that pro number still here, uh, even though it's going to be hopefully in every week, I just get such a kick out of it. We see all of our familiar faces. Everybody's dressed in red and black for a lot at night. Uh, the women are gorgeous. The men are handsome. And uh, I don't know how you couldn't enjoy that if you're a big fan of the show. Always puts a smile on my face. And it's like, it's like again, my show's here. I, I feel comfortable. This is the way it should be. And then, of course, we have the English accent guy come on and welcome to Dancing with the Stars. And again, I believe his name's Alan Dedicote. I should probably do some uh, deep dive into who this guy is. But it's nice to hear that familiar uh, uh, English accent as part of the show. Then they introduce Alfonso and Julianne, and, you know, it's not a spectacle like it was when Tyra was there. They come out together. There's no Tyra first and giving her a 30-second catwalk. Uh, Alfonso and Julianne come out together and do a little dance as they come out, and, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's done in, what, five or ten seconds, and we're on with the show, which is the way it should be, and so that's always nice to see. Uh, then they announce the, the cast, and again, the English guy's there, and he announces the full names of both, not only the celebrities, but the uh, dancers, and that was a bit of contention when, when uh, Andrew Linares was there, and they took away the pro's last name. Little things that mean a lot to the pros, and that was one of them. So it's nice to see that back. And then uh, it was neat, too. We got to see some of them coming down that little spiral staircase like the old days. So it was a little bit, again, of... Okay, this is the new way we're doing it, and still there's a blast from the past as we see a couple of the, the folks come down that uh, curved staircase. So I was feeling so great right off the top, and nothing else disappointed the rest of the night, really. Um, right off the top, Alfonso mentioned that Artem, one of the pro dancers, uh, had contracted COVID, so he wasn't going to be there this week, and uh, his partner is Charity Lawson, the uh, bachelorette. And she was tested and everything was fine, so she didn't have to wear a mask or anything. But Ezra uh, came in. He's one of the understudies there. Since they don't have a troop this year, I think they have, I don't know how many, but at least a couple, probably male and female dancers that are there on set. And they are called in when one of the uh, full-time pros goes down for whatever reason. So this was Ezra's first time as a pro, though. So it was going to be interesting to see if he had any first uh, night jitters. And no reason to bring it up again. He didn't. Everything was fine. But we'll get into their dance, of course, a little bit later. All right. So starting off Latin night was uh, Lele Pons and Brandon. And they did a samba. And they made a big point in the video clip that uh, Lele was from Venezuela. And she's got a lot, a lot of Latin blood in her. And they danced all the time growing up. And maybe not formalized like a ballroom setting, but uh, she expected this to give her an advantage, and I think it did. She she uh, obviously has a lot of spiciness to her. In fact, uh, let's see, Derek mentioned that. He said, yeah, that was spicy, a lot of attack, full of rhythm, and he did say it was a little wild and crazy sometimes. And I'm sure if you grew up dancing a certain way, like you do at a party or something, yeah, you got to refine that, and that's what the ballroom uh, lessons are supposed to do. Bruno also mentioned it, full of energy, rocket fuel. He, she just needs to polish it and finish the details. And Carrie Ann, same thing. It was on fire, a little wild, and it needs more control. So uh, before they gave him the scores, when they were done with the dance, they always pan the audience, you know. And the first thing I saw was uh, last year's champions, Char Charlie D'Amelio and Mark Ballas. They were right next to the judges, and Mark's wife was there. And it was so nice to see them, always nice to see uh, 
someone who is one of the greatest dancers in the history of the show, and then Mark Ballas, the old legend, old school pro. Uh, nice to see him there too. So uh, when they added up the scores, it was three sevens for a 21 for Lele, and that was an improvement from last week. A little bit, just a little bit, but that's okay. And I always look at week two as kind of a big week because, you know, week one they've had uh, three weeks or a month to practice for one dance, and then, boom, that's done, and all of a sudden you've got six days to plan for the next dance. And you get hit in the face pretty quickly with the rigors of what this, this show is going to be like when you're learning new dances each week, and then later in the season when you're learning a couple dances each week. So uh, it's always nice to see how people react, and Lele did a good job. No problem there. Up next was uh, Tyson Beckford, the model, with Jenna, his partner, and they did a salsa. And he said he's another guy that's from Latin America, grew up in Panama, and uh, he was hoping that would give him a boost too. And, you know, there wasn't much that he could do worse because he had a rough week last week. So uh, this was a big week for him to see if he could kind of, you know, get his feet under him and so forth. And I must say it was much better. Uh, He did a ton of lifts in this, which I'm not a big fan of. Now, if you're a lift master like Calvin Johnson and Iman Shumpert, a couple former contestants on the show who lifted their partners every week and were fantastic at it, yeah, it's fun to watch. And there was nothing wrong with this. It was really good. Uh, but there were a lot of lifts in it. And I think, you know, he's a strong guy. And I'm sure Jenna probably said, yeah, this salsa is going to be good for lifts. And lifts aren't dancing. So if he can perform the lifts, we're going to get a better score. And uh, that's certainly what happened. Uh, Bruno said that it was a much better performance than last week, of course. And he was on time. Uh, Carrie Ann also said complete difference from the week before. So much better. And she said that he's sometimes heavy footed. And then Derek said that it was a great partnering with Jenna, and I'm assuming that's just the lifts. And you know, you have to trust your partner quite a bit when uh, you're doing these crazy lifts that they do. And then he just said to, he needs to loosen up the legs a little bit, but uh, so much better than last week. In fact, they gave him an 18, and he had a 12 last week, the, one of the bottom dwellers last week. So a nice improvement for Tyson. And then after that, uh, Alfonso mentioned that Derek had started his tour. He started his, uh, I think his first night was the night before in Salt Lake City. And uh, we talked about that last week. He had to cancel his first couple uh, stops, I guess, because of an injury, which I was going to go to. But I still have my mid-October trip coming up. And uh, can't wait to talk to you about that. But I've seen some video from it already. And, of course, Derek kills it no matter what he does. So that'll be fun going forward this year. Uh, up number three was Barry Williams and Peta, and they did a cha-cha-cha, and they talked about this being Barry's 69th birthday last week. And, you know, for a 69-year-old guy, I think he moves pretty well. Uh, is he going to go far in this competition? Well, not based on dancing ability, but he might have a pretty big following from the Brady Bunch years. You know, a lot of people that that are core audience of this show, or at least used to be on ABC. They watch the Brady Bunch. So, and he's a likable guy. How can you not like him? You know, uh, I can't believe it. Again, you know, I think of Barry Williams. I think of this young guy I watched growing up with about my age. And I'm like, now I look at us and we're old men. And it's like, what happened to us? But he's out there doing it and got to give him props. And who knows? Like I said, he's not going to go far unless the fan vote just goes crazy, but he's fun to watch, I think. And, uh, the one thing about this dance, it was a cha-cha-cha, and I thought he had too many serious looks for the cha-cha-cha. You know, that's a fun 
party dance and one of my favorite dance styles. And boy, he had a lot of stern looks on his face, kind of like it was, again, a paso or a tango. And I thought that was kind of weird. I don't even know if they called him out on it. Yeah, they did. I was going to look looking ahead at the judges thing here. Uh, Carrie Ann said that the top and the bottom half of his bodies weren't completely in sync. So she didn't have too much else to say other than a little critique there. Uh, Derek said he was slipping a bit on the dance floor, and he gave him a hint. And this is one of the things I love about Derek. Sometimes the judges talk about things they're doing poorly or not well, but they don't give them any suggestions on how to fix it. Now, I know that's what their pro is there for, but Derek always gives a little hint of how you can do something better. And he said, okay, when you're slipping a lot, you know, just take your shoes and rough them up. Put some sandpaper on the bottom of the soles. Give them a little uh, gripping ability so that when you're going across that floor, you're not sliding. You're, you're actually, you know, planting yourself, especially for certain dances. Uh, he did say there were some heel leads too. And of course, there's no heel leads in the uh, cha-cha-cha. And then Bruno said, yeah, this is where he kind of, echoed what I was thinking. He said it looked more like a paso. Uh, it was a very stern look that he had, and his moves were kind of rigid and like staccato-like. And again, that that might be good if and when he does a, a paso or a tango, but not for this dance. But, uh, you know, it's still good. And uh, it was funny when they were uh, announcing the scores, by the way, they gave him three fives, which I think is about right. Um, you know, he's not a great dancer, but he's out there giving it a shot. And if you're going to do a, a fun, happy dance, you kind of need to look that and play that. He's an actor, so he, he should have known that. But anyways, uh, if he, and when he does the tango, yeah, I think he'll be ready for it because he had the stern look and the staccato moves down already, even though it was a cha-cha. But yeah, they gave him a 15, about the same as last week. And you know, I don't expect huge improvements from him. Just get a little better every week. And with his fan support, he may hang around a little bit. It was funny when they were announcing the scores, on my feed on, uh, I can't remember if I was watching Disney Plus or ABC. I was going back and forth last night to can't kind of see how Disney Plus handled the commercials because they don't have commercials on streaming, you know. Well, they do now. They, you know, they need to keep up with the ABC broadcast somehow, and they do do commercials now on Disney Plus. But uh, on one of the feeds I was watching last night, all of a sudden the sound went away on my TV for about five seconds. I'm like, what happened there? And then it came back. Well, if you look at PETA when they were announcing the scores, uh, she either said. <laughs> bull S or just OS because uh, it was very noticeable the way she uh, mouthed that and of course they bleeped it out so there must be a five second delay or something even though it's a live show but I thought that was kind of funny up next uh, fourth dance of the night oh before I, I go into that I made a little note here I don't usually watch the commercials but for some reason I was watching these or I stopped it when I was fast forwarding on a commercial and it was about Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. You know, there's so many game shows out there now and there's a lot of celebrity game shows, Family Feud and Jeopardy. And uh, it's so funny when you watch that, so many of the contestants on these family or these uh, celebrity game shows had been on Dancing with the Stars. You know, there's kind of this core group of B-list actors or celebrities or whatever have you that just kind of make the rounds, I guess. And I had to stop and look at it. They were doing a promo for Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, and they had the three contestants up there, and it was Kel Mitchell, Kim Fields, and Penn Jillette. For you longtime viewers of Dancing with the Stars, you're going to know all three of those have been on Dancing with the Stars. Now, Penn Jillette was way back. He was back in season six, but I get such a kick out of that. You know, when I see people these days on TV, just kind of like when I hear music, it reminds me of so many things about Dancing with the Stars. And, 
you know, when I see former contestants, I'm like, wow, look at that. Three Dancing with the Stars contestants. Okay, that's off kilter there. Oh, and they did show a picture too of the audience after Adrian's dance. By the way, Adrian is up next. I'm a little all over the place here, aren't I? Uh, Vanna White was in the audience. I thought that was kind of neat. Could they ever get Vanna on the show? I don't know. But uh, yeah, up next was Adrian Peterson and Britt, and they were doing a samba. And you know, Adrian had a bit of a, uh, it was an okay dance last week. Uh, we have high expectations for pro football players. And the vibe I'm getting from Adrian last week, you know, he had that stern, fierce looking face and they talk about it quite a bit in their video package of getting rid of that. Uh, I certainly don't want that in a Latin dance. Um, I'm not feeling the vibe for Adrian this year. Uh, you know, he came in with some baggage. We talked about that last week. And when social media gets a hold of you and cuts you down for some reason, it usually translates into a tough go on Dancing with the Stars. Now, who knows how long he's going to last, but I'm just not feeling the normal uh, happy vibes of some of these football players that come on, where they have such charisma and they just connect with the audience, and that's probably not a good omen for him, but we'll just have to see. Uh, let's see. The Samba, he, the, the judges, and I noticed it right away when I was watching it, he's just a fierce-looking guy. And it was too hard and too stompy, I thought, when he was going through the motions of a samba. Uh, this is more of a fun, lighthearted, frilly dance. And um, the judges kind of said the same thing. Derek Huff said it was blocky and there was too many heel leads, which, of course, you don't do in the Latin dances. Um, Bruno said he, he could see that he wanted to get it right, but he needs to soften it a little bit. And this goes back to what I was saying when it's – it just came across as too hard and stompy and rigid for, uh, rigidy for me, I guess you would say. And so Bruno says, soften it a little bit. And then Carrie Ann said the same thing. You need to refine it, and you need to be a little gentler in your dances. So this was a pretty common theme, and he's got to work on that, of course, unless it's a, uh, a tango or a paso down the road. But who knows how long he's going to last, because I'm not feeling it for Adrian this year. And he got a score of 15 which was a decline from last week. And of course, that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to decline from week to week. Uh, but who knows, maybe this was just something that didn't fit his persona or something, and he'll bounce back next week. So number five up, uh, Mira Sorvino, the actress, and Gleb, her partner, and they did a salsa. And as she was doing it, Mira impressed me last week, but I just thought this salsa, for when she was doing it, it wasn't fiery enough for me. It, you know, that's a... Latin fiery dance, the salsa, and it was just too tame. And I can only imagine if you're not a dancer, you know, you're learning out there for the first time some of these things, and you're scared and nervous, and it's hard to just let go. That's what you have to do. You have to sell your performance, and I didn't feel that from her. It was still good. It was just a little tame for me. Let's see what uh, Bruno said. And Bruno said it great, too. You know, I never, I always liked these judges. They could kind of say it so much better than me. He said it was tastefully presented. Well, I don't know if you want tastefully presented when you're talking about the salsa. And then he said, yes, you got to turn up the spice on this dance. So uh, they were seeing the same things I was. Carrie Ann said, yep, you got to show some confidence. Um, you know, it's, it's a hot dance and, and you need to get out there. And she said she showed a little flashes of that where she was getting into it and did some hot moves and then she would lose it. And uh, she's got to work on that. And then Derek, same thing. You got to unleash, unleash your potential. Uh, this is in a dance where you attack it and you got to own the movement. So they all kind of said the same thing that I was seeing is that just it was a little timid for such a fiery Latin dance. 
and they gave her three sixes. About the same as last week, and no problems for her. I think she's great. It's just she's just got to work on a few things, but she should stick around, I think, till midseason, and I don't have no idea what kind of fan support Mira would have. Uh, up sixth, Sochi Gomez and Val. You know, she was my pick at the beginning of the season to be in the finals, and boy, the dance on uh, Tuesday night did nothing to dissuade that thinking. Uh, to me, as I was watching her, I'm like, boy, how good is she going to get? Uh, she, the base is there, uh, not only dancing ability, but likability, partnership with Val, uh, always smiling, full of energy. And, you know, people are drawn to that. And this was a very good salsa. I think it was Carrie Ann that mentioned at one point she got reminded of like Rita Moreno, Moreno, famous American dancer. And, and I agree. I don't know that Rita real well, but I've certainly seen some of her moves. And I'm like, wow, that, that girl is good, that young woman. So uh, Carrie Ann did say it was sassy and that uh, she was telling the story very well, very stylish. And that she's the one, that's when she brought up Rita Moreno, I think, is that you, know, you were telling the story. I think Rita was in West Side Story, maybe. Uh, not sure I shouldn't be talking about that because I don't know. But uh, uh, Derek, uh, yeah, the performance was fantastic. Uh, she, he liked her spins a lot. You know, when you spin around, heck, when I spin around a couple times, I get dizzy. I don't know how these people do it. And I know she's young and full of energy and all that. But the spins were great. They came out well. And sometimes there's a tendency to wobble, I think, which is just a human reaction to spinning. Uh, Bruno said it was a powerful salsa. Very authentic. The fluidity was great. The continuity of movement was great. They loved it, and they gave her three eights for a 24, and that's an improvement, a way, a big improvement of six points over last week, and she was great last week. I thought they kind of underscored her a little bit last week, but the first dance out last week, maybe that's what they were doing there. Okay, number seven up, uh, Ariana Maddox and Pasha, and her their dance was the Samba, and let's see here. Uh-oh. Sorry. That was my phone. <laughs> How do you like my ringer? De La Soul. <laughs> Me, myself, and I. Uh, I never get calls, so I, I have my phone in here, and I'll be darned. And it's a number I don't know, so we're going to let it go to voicemail. Any of you know what the hell I do for a living around here? I guess it's my fault having my phone here. Where were we? Oh, yeah, Ariana. Uh... I liked her dance last week. You know, I, well, I'm not going to say any more because I have a question for you guys later. Uh, Derek Huff said she was a natural performer. She needs a little more control and refinement, which they all kind of say in these Latin dances, which are just so, so fast and furious that, yeah, it's easy to lose a little control. Uh, Bruno called her a sex goddess. She is sexy. I, man, I loved her dance last week. And then this week she looked good again. Uh, he did say she, uh, missed a pass and lost her balance a little bit. Kind of what Derek said with the needing control. And then Carrie Ann kind of said the same thing. Need to finish your movements and so forth. So, uh, they gave her a score of 20 and about the same as last week. So no problem there. I think she's fine going forward. And then they showed uh, an audience clip, and we saw Kate Flannery, a former contestant, and we saw JoJo Siwa, another former contestant. I always get a kick out of that. It's like how many former celebrities are in the audience that night, and you can keep a list running there. Little side things I do to entertain myself when I watch this incredible show. Uh, number eight up, uh, Mauricio Umansky and Emma, and they did a salsa. 
And he talked about his Mexican roots. I guess he grew up in Mexican City, or Mexican City, sorry, Mexico City. And he was hoping that would give him a little advantage, like a lot of these people have talked about. And he got out there and did the salsa, and let's just say it was a tough one. Uh, I felt for the guy. He uh, forgot steps. Uh, he had a tough lift at the end. Uh, there was a place where Emma kind of fell back into him, and it looked like he was supposed to catch her, and he really didn't. And she kind of hit her butt hard on the floor, I thought, and didn't get hurt or anything. But, yeah, he forgot steps, and he did recover, but it took a little while. And Emma actually kind of just stopped and said something, not really stopped, but slowed down quite a bit and just said something to him in the dance. And, you know, we've seen this from time to time in the history of the show, and I can only imagine the the panic in your psyche when that happens to you out there where you've just forgotten your steps and it probably rushes in that, oh my God, you know, millions of people are watching me and everybody's here live and it's probably just a tough thing to recover from. But he did recover and you got to give him credit for that. So the judges, not much to say there. They all, you know, saw what we saw. Bruno said he lost his footing and that just to forget about it. We always have he said, even those guys, they make mistakes and we move on. And that's, that's the way life is. Uh, Carrie Ann was really nice to him. Uh, she brought up Kelly Monaco, the season one champion. <laughs> and Kelly had a notoriously tough start on the history of the show. And I believe, yeah, no, there's no doubt she's the only champion in the history of the show that actually got a four. She might have had a couple. I have to go back and look at the scores. But uh and he, you know, she was saying that to to make him, uh, Mauricio feel better. You know, hey, you know, a former champion had a rough first night and rough dance, and she recovered and won it. You can come back strong from this. And they were all just trying to really boost him up because he felt awful about it. You could tell. And then Derek always has either, like I said, comments or little sayings that are so neat. I think. And he says, when all when you have a setback, it it sets you up for a comeback. And uh, so, again, trying to be super positive, but you got to score that appropriately. Uh, I think they could have probably given him a three, but they all gave him fours for a total of 12. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, the next thing up, and this was weird to me. I know it's a minor thing, but Alfonso drew attention to it. And I'm like, okay, you're bringing attention to this, so you know this is a weird thing. But he said up next is going to be Allison... Hannigan, and she'll be doing a tango. And of course, right away, everybody's ears perk up and I'm like, wait a minute, this is Latin night. What's tango, a ballroom dance doing on Latin night? And Alfonso, boy, he cut it off right away. He says, all right, you, before you guys say anything, you can save all your angry comments for something that, uh, that matters. And then I'm like, wow, he got kind of testy right away because he knew there would be some of us out there that are like, what are you doing having a tango on Latin night? And when he said that, when he said, save your angry com- uh, comments for something that matters, I thought, wow, that's kind of a dig at us. And I'm like, okay, then explain yourself. And they didn't explain anything. That was it. He just said, you know, save your angry comments. We know it's a, ball, uh, a ballroom dance and not a Latin dance. And I was expecting, but we're doing it because of this. And they didn't say And as usual, I didn't have a whole lot of time to search the internet or look around. I didn't see anybody. I saw a couple people mention it, but I didn't see any reason that Allison did a 
ballroom dance when everybody else did a Latin dance. To me, that's weird. It's very weird, number one, and I think it's potentially unfair because she did a great job with the tango, which requires a whole different set of body movements. You know, if you're going to do a Latin night, then everybody should have to do these Latin, fun, freely, sexy, powerful dances and not something that's totally different like a tango, which is more of a stern, staccato-type dance. So I don't know. Uh, one of the many things I just have to let go. Yeah. But Alfonso did kind of prep me by saying, hey, get angry at something that matters. He, he's got a point, but I just would like an explanation, that's all. Maybe I can find one this week, but I'm not holding my breath. So Allison was up and did the tango, and it was good. Last week's dance, she's, she's a fun gal. I mean, I, I, I liked last week's dance. It wasn't that great, I didn't think, but... Uh, she's fun and fun to watch, and I had potentially, you know, good hope for her. But she came out, and she killed the tango, I thought. I wasn't expecting much, so it was pretty good. So it makes it look better even if it wasn't because I was not expecting too much. Uh, Carrie Ann came on and said, yes, you were a, were a woman empowered. And she did say there was a little tenseness in her shoulders that she's got to wor uh, work on. Derek mentioned it. It's night and day from last week. So much better. And yes, mentioned that you got to work on the shape and the sharpness of it a little bit. And Bruno said she was very focused and she was in the right character for the tango. Uh, he also mentioned the tight shoulders. So I guess that's what she's got to work on is the tight shoulders in the tango hold. And they gave her a total of 19, which was six better than last week. So much, much better. And that probably saved her. Not that I don't know. She probably got good fan support anyways. But uh, uh, you knew when she got that score, she was going to be saved for the night probably. And uh, that's good, good news for her going forward. We'll just have to see if she could continue it into next week and if there's another kind of dance that works well for her because she did well with the tango, no doubt. Uh, up 10th, Charity Lawson, The Bachelorette. And this is the one that had the uh, new partner, Ezra, because Artem had the COVID diagnosis. And they were doing a cha-cha-cha. And as I'm watching her, like I said the first week, and she's part of that Bachelorette lineage, thought it was very good as I'm watching it. I didn't have too much to say except, yeah, she's a good dancer, and there's no reason with The Bachelorette following that this show has. She shouldn't last a long time. Uh, it was interesting because she is kind of good. The, the judges were a little more, uh, I don't want to say critical, but they were giving her constructive criticism more than some people who aren't very good dancers, and they just praise them because they'd had a good dance. Uh, Derek said it need, she, need, she needed more connection with her partner, and I thought that was kind of an ironic thing to say because uh, she had a new partner. So that's a lot to ask, I think. But they got to come up with something to say. So that's what he said. Uh, Bruno said that, yeah, she was working it. And, uh, but he also mentioned that uh, you need more tension with your partner in that dance. And I, I don't know what that meant exactly either other than, come on, guys, this is a brand new partner. I guess you can point that out, but it's kind of like almost a duh. Yeah, there's going to be some issues there that she just met the guy. And I don't know. I just thought that was weird that they uh, uh, kind of brought that up. And Carrie Ann said it was borderline stiff and that she looked a little tight in the cha-cha. So I thought it was a pretty good dance. And they scored it as a good dance. They gave her uh, three sevens. But that's the same as last week. I think that, like I mentioned, when you're a good dancer, the judges tend to be a little more critical with you than if you're not a good dancer and you have a good dance and it's all praise, even though you didn't dance as well 
as the good dancer, if that makes sense. So uh, no problem for Charity, though. She'll move on, I'm sure. Up uh, 11th, Harry Jousey and Riley. Harry's that guy that he had a rough week last week, and I, I don't know him at all. Uh, I think he's one of those social media guys that's probably got a pretty good following, and we talked last week with his partnership with Riley. I'm not feeling a love connection yet, but they're two young, good-looking people full of energy, and who knows, maybe something can develop there, if not uh, or like an actual romance, just a connection there. And you can tell he's a beginner dancer. It's just the moves that, that you make or he's making looks like something you would see a beginner making, like me or whatever. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'd be as good as him even, but uh, uh, yeah, it's there uh, that he, he looks like a beginner. Uh, Bruno said, it looked like your effort was there. You were trying, and that's good. Uh, there were timing issues, and he does have frozen hips. So uh, keep working on it, Harry. Uh, Carrie Ann said his eyes were up, though, this time, and he didn't look as scared. He did look kind of scared last week, and who wouldn't be? My gosh, you can't dance, and you're out there in front of millions of people. So she saw an improvement then, and she actually mentioned, I thought it was kind of funny, uh, that last week's was kind of uncomfortable to watch. So again, we're happy that he, he got a little better, so that's good. And uh, Derek said he did good on the lifts, which he did. And uh, he was dancing ahead of the music a little bit, which Derek said in general that all of you guys are kind of doing right now. You're dancing ahead of the music a little bit, and that makes you off timing, of course. They gave him uh, three fives for a 15 for the week. A little improvement over last week. Up 12th, Jamie Lynn Spears and her partner, Alan. They did a cha-cha-cha. And Jamie's one of those tough cases that while I'm watching her, you see it that she just doesn't have confidence in her ability and I, I think I mentioned to you guys when I got to meet her or saw her on Good Morning America a couple weeks ago when they introduced the cast, I think I just said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling it. I don't know why, but there's no energy there. It looks like there's a lot of self-doubt. And that doesn't play well on this show. And again, it's a tough one because I would be the same way. I'm sure most of us would be if we'd never danced. We would be nervous and timid and lacking, lacking self-confidence. But that and just kind of a negative vibe does not do well on this show. So in her dance, I saw that. I just saw a lack of confidence and just kind of doing the moves. They were okay. There was nothing wrong with them. And I think she's got potential, but I'm just not feeling it right uh, with her presentation, I guess, you know, acting the dance. Carrie Ann said she lost a step somewhere and, uh, needed more lifting of her torso and elongation of the body. And I think that's a confidence thing, you know. How is it, it's easy to spot someone when they're walking on a street and they're kind of down in the dumps or whatever, you know, they're kind of hunched over and they're looking down at the ground and maybe shuffling along. But when you see somebody lifting up their torso and their chest is out and their head's up and they're looking around, there's that projects a, a feeling of confidence. And she needs to do that more, according to Carrie Ann, and I, I agree completely. Um, Derek said it was a big improvement over last week, but there are still uh, timing issues, and I don't know about it being a big improvement, but uh, Derek knows. <laughs> and then Bruno said that uh, she was coming out of her shell a little bit, and there were some mistakes, but I, I didn't really see that. Like, I was more on the carry ins uh, bus that says, boy, you need to project more, and you need to come out of your shell more. Bruno kind of thought she did, I guess, but then he scored her a five, so I'm not sure about that. Uh, they gave her a total of 16 which was about the same as last week. And then up last was Jason Mraz and his partner, Daniela, and they were doing a rumba. And whenever I hear the word rumba, I'm like, oh, the poor man, because even though it's the ladies' dance, 
The man has to provide the frame and he's got to do a lot of very lyrical, rhythmic hip movements. And most of us men don't move our hips real well. And I was a little nervous because Jason had a really good dance last week. And, you know, what I saw last week and what I saw uh, on Tuesday's show this week, he's the best male dancer in the, in the field. And he's the only hope we have of getting a male to the final, I think, if that's what you want, because oof, all the other guys have tons of issues. Now, I suppose there could be a, uh, a light bulb clicking on moment for one of these guys and they go to the next level. But in the first two weeks, I'm not seeing it. And I, you know, Jason is the best male in, in uh, this, this, this show this season. Uh, let's see what the uh, judges had to say about his rumba. Uh, Derek liked it all. He said it had a lot of passion, fluidity, control, and he liked his lunges in that. And it is. That's a dance that's it's kind of slow, and your movements get highlighted. And if you can't do those slower movements, they're harder to hide. So that's another reason that's a scary dance for a man, I would think. But Derek liked it, and I get why he liked it. It was really good. Bruno really loved his hips. He says, those hips. And then there's something about a Cuban motion that is in that dance. And I would love to know a little more exactly what that is. I can kind of guess maybe. But he said his his uh, Cuban motion in week two was phenomenal. So uh, they liked him a lot. And then Carrie Ann said he did, she did see a misstep. It was funny. Uh, no one had said anything, you know, even remotely negative yet. And Carrie Ann said, I think I saw a misstep. And I think it was Daniela that kind of shook her head, yeah. And she said, oh, good. Thanks for telling me because I wasn't sure. Um, but it was an exceptional dance. Very lyrical, very storytelling. And uh, they gave him a 24. So that uh, was a very good, uh, an improvement from last week when he had a really good dance. So that's the end of the dances. Let's take a look here. We've got uh, Jason at the top with a 24, as we just, just discussed, and then Soshi at the 24. They were the two big dancers of the night. Soshi had a big improvement from last week. Let's see, down the list, Charity had 21, uh, Lele 21, Ariana 20, Allison 19, Mira 18, Tyson 18, Jamie Lynn 16, Adrian 15, Barry 15, Harry 15, and Mauricio at 12. So quite a big uh, discrepancy there, which is usually the case in the few, first few weeks of the seasons of the season. And the big movers from last week, Soshi went up six, uh, Allison Hannigan went up six, and Tyson also went up six points. So they were the big movers, and Tyson needed that because he was, he was the bottom dweller last week. So they do all the scary music and they get ready to eliminate someone. They get down to the final two, of course. And uh, it was Jamie Lynn and Alan and Adrian and Britt in the, in the bottom two. And I just, you know, this is where I missed the judges save. Not so much in this case because either one of them could have gone and it wouldn't have mattered to me. But I would love to hear what the judges have to say when they are making their decision to save someone. And I know I can't bring that up every week because it's not coming back and I got to let it go. But uh I brought it up today. <laughs> uh, so going home between Jamie Lynn Spears and Adrian Peterson was Jamie Lynn Spears and her partner, Alan. So not a huge shock. Uh, was she the worst dancer left? No. There's other people that I think danced more poorly than she did. But it wasn't a surprise at all because of kind of what I was saying. There's just a, a vibe around her that wasn't super positive. And for whatever reason... I don't know all the details, but social media was not kind to her from the get-go, I guess because of her drama in her family with Brittany. I don't know. But uh, Jamie Lynn Spears goes home. Okay, let's do our top 10 list uh, this week. <clears throat> I looked at the clock just now, and I'm like, darn, I thought I was doing better, and it looks like it's going over an hour again. I'm not going to harp on that 
all year, but I do want to get it down. But I think I don't want to give up my top 10 list here. So I think I told you it, it helps me relive the past of this glorious show. And I got an email from someone this week, and I was super pumped when I got it because she said what I hoped some of you guys were feeling. She was newer to the show, didn't know all the old history of Dancing with the Stars. And she's a big fan, though, and she said she's gone back and watched YouTube clips and tried to get a feel for the history of it. And uh, she mentioned that, you know, when I do these top 10 lists, uh, yeah, I, I bring up things that she might not be aware of and give her something to go look up. And that was really neat to hear that that something that matters to me, the history of this show and remembering it, not not living in the past, but I know I do that sometimes too, but but remembering what what the show was like and and what it was to build it into what it is now. Um, it, it was really neat that a listener wrote in and said that, uh, when, you know, I say something on the top 10 list, she may go back and look it up and learn more about the history of the show. So, uh, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, I may get to a point, especially if I get my sickness coming back this year where I want to cut the show short and we'll just not do it or do something else. But, uh, let's do a top 10 list. Uh, tonight we're going to do the top 10 most inspirational stories on Dancing with the Stars or, or, uh, contestants, I guess you would say. Um, I've got some audio again. We'll play those at the top of the list. But I, I hesitated at first when I came up with this list because I'm like, I don't want this to sound like I'm ranking the disabilities of these partners. You know, they've all got things they were fighting, and that's what made them inspirational is that they came on this show, which to me is inspirational enough, but they were all fighting other issues, whether they be physical or, uh, you know, missing limbs or, or hearing or whatever. And I, again, I don't want this to come across as well. This disability is harder to overcome than this disability, but I just wanted to uh, highlight them all and just tell them how amazing I thought they were, I guess. <laughs> so uh, don't take it as like, well, that's, why has he got this one above this one? You know, again, these are just my opinions, of course. And uh, wait a minute. I said the word opinions and I didn't get the opinion alert. Huh, maybe it's gone. Maybe we won't have to deal with that this year. But uh, so here we go. Top 10 most inspirational stories in the history of the show. I want to start off with an honorable mention here because I've got 11. So, and that is uh, season 13 champion J.R. Martinez. He was an Iraqi war veteran, burned over 40% of his body. 19 years old when this happened, you know, just a kid and just starting out life and uh, he talked about it a few times in the season about how he thought his life was over. He had to go into a coma for three weeks because it was so bad, induced coma, and had you know, 30 to 40 operations. I don't remember the exact number, but he was quite, quite disfigured uh, from the burns. And I remember there was one point his partner was Karina, and they were just talking to him, and he was pretty emotional, and it was like, you know, I thought my life was over, and I didn't think I'd be able to do anything. And thankfully, I, he didn't seem to be physically restricted in many ways. I have his freestyle as a top 10 freestyle of all time. There you go. If you want some history, go back and watch JR and Karina's uh, freestyle in season 13 if you didn't uh, see it when it happened. Uh, but he said um, at the time, you know, I just never thought I was going to be able to do it. And here I am dancing in front of millions of people with a beautiful young woman who actually says that I'm, that I'm handsome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as a man, I can certainly know, understand where he's coming from. And then to have that, that, uh, uh, those burn, uh, scars, uh, it was an emotional story. And I was so thankful that he won because season 13 was not a, a deep season in terms of talent, but he was certainly a legitimate champion, a very good dancer. And like I said, heck, he's my, 
He's in my top 10 freestyles of all time. So J.R. Martinez, honorable mention. Number 10, let's just go back to last season, Daniel Durant. Uh, he was born deaf. And Daniel would have been a lot higher in the list. Again, I don't want to do this ranking about, well, this is better than that. But I had seen two other deaf contestants on the show before Daniel. And so, yes, it's still amazing. But my amazingness level kind of went down a little bit because I had seen it before and I saw how they did it. I still don't know how they do it, but uh, that didn't take away from him other than that he just did number 10 on my list. He got all the way to fifth place last year. And uh, it still amazes me when I see anybody with, with a handicap, let's say, like, I can't hear the music. <laughs> how do you do it? It's just, it makes me feel bad about myself that I'm afraid to dance and I've got full functioning of my senses or whatever. And then you get these people come out there that, that have issues and you can't hear the music yet you go out there and you can still perform in front of millions. So Daniel Durant, my number 10. Number nine, going back to season 23, Tara Jolie, she finished in fifth place. Tara uh, was and is a little person. She was four foot two or is four foot two. And they paired her with Sasha, who's one of the shorter pros, but even he towered over her. And just like I always thought, how do these basketball players come on here and dance with women who are a foot lower than him, them? How is Sasha going to do this? Not only is she over a foot shorter than him, but her limbs are not as long. So I was thinking like, well, how are they going to do the quick step, which is just zooming across the, sto the floor. And for every uh, step Sasha's going to take, Tara's going to have to take two. And I thought it would look herky-jerky and it wouldn't look well, but Tara was such a delight and such a revelation, I guess is the right word, that I couldn't believe her energy, her enthusiasm for wanting to be on the show. And, you know, she had a lot of emotional clips too on how the difficulties of living uh, in the modern world as a little person. But she always looked like she was enjoying herself. She always put in the work and the look of the dance always was really, really good. And it's like, I was so impressed with her. And I do remember their quick step and I'm, she kept up with them. And I'm sure Sasha might've had to like make his steps a little smaller. And maybe she had to like reach out and do her steps a little more, but it looked really good in the dance. And Tara made it all the way to fifth place. Pretty impressive. Uh, number eight, going way back to season six, Marley Matlin. Uh, she finished in seventh place. Marley's another uh, a deaf contestant. Um, I believe that she wasn't completely deaf, but it was almost completely deaf. And, uh, you know, I think they said maybe she had 20% hearing in one ear, but still, it was just amazing. And, uh, she lost her hearing as a child. So again, another one that probably didn't know too much. Uh, I say a child. She was only 18 months, I guess. And I don't know what you remember at 18 months, probably not much. So uh, the three contestants that have been on the show basically had their hearing, didn't have their hearing their entire life. So again, to come on and do it is amazing to me, but and we're going to talk about this in a couple more here. It may not be that amazing to them. I don't know if you know what I mean there, but we'll talk about it here in a couple more picks. But uh, Marley, number eight, uh, she finished in seventh place in season six. Uh, my number seven top 10 most inspirational contestant is Heather Mills. You talk about going back, going way back to season four. She finished in seventh place. She had a leg amputated below the knee from an auto accident. And at the time, again, she was really the first what I would have called a physically challenged person on the show. And I'm like, how in the world are you going to do a jive and a quick step when you're zooming around the floor and kicking and flicking with an artificial limb? 
And this was one of those that I'd never seen anything before. So it's why she's so high up on the list. And she did a great job with it. She only finished in seventh place in season four, but uh, I was super impressed. I'm like, how can you do that? And we'll get into that in a little bit later with one of our other contestants up the list here. But Heather Mills, my number seven most inspirational contestant. Number six, uh, season 22 champion Niall DeMarco, another totally deaf person. And as I mentioned uh, with Heather uh, Marley a minute ago, you know, are they at a disadvantage? Carrie Ann actually mentioned it. I think she says this. I do have a little audio clip for, uh, for Niall. I, I don't know if they're really at a challenge because that's all they've ever known. And so they probably don't think of it as a challenge. I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk with them about that. But Carrie Ann's going to mention it here. But uh, Niall was amazing. You know, he won season 22. Think about that. The deaf guy won a season. Was he the best dancer that season? Probably not. Paige Van Zant was, I think, better than him as far as dancing ability. But when you do the combination of he was a good dancer, he was a gorgeous man, he won America's Next Model, I think. He and Peta looked fantastic together, his partner. And then you say, the guy can't hear anything. Uh, they had some iconic dances. And one of them was when... They stopped the music for, I don't know if it was 15 seconds or something, and they did that, but the dance routine kept going just so that the audience could see or not see, but hear what he couldn't hear. And it's just silence, and you're watching him do the dance, and it's like, wow, how is that done? So there were so many impressive things here. And uh, let's just listen to the uh, judges here. This is going back to season 22, and uh, judges talking about Nile DeMarco. Carrie Ann, what you think? Yeah, take a moment. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> um. <laughs> you take my breath away, and I'm not alone, I can tell. At first I thought maybe at the beginning of this competition that you were at a disadvantage. But when I watch you perform, I realize that you're at an advantage because you've been telling stories with your body and communicating with your body your whole life. You were born to dance. And that was a phenomenal thing as I'll tell you what that was. That was like a total eclipse. It don't turn up often, but when it does, it's fantastic. It's so hard. It's hard for me to comprehend. I know you. I know you well. It's hard for me to understand how this is possible. It's the best dance of the night. It's one of the best. I see you. It has so much musicality. So much musicality, which is mind-boggling how it's possible. Amazing job. All right, Bruno. Now, the magic of dance is alive within you. You have to be made of granite, not to fall head over heels in love with that performance. Yeah, obviously the judges loved that and were moved by it. And you heard Carrie Ann very emotional at the beginning. And Max was, Max Timmers Coffee was a uh, guest judge that, that week. And as, as Max said, it's like, I don't know how you're doing this. This is mind boggling. And this is coming from a dancer who knows what it takes. So uh, pretty impressive. Now DeMarco, my number six uh, most inspirational contestants in the history of the show. Number five, we're going back to last season again. This is Selma Blair. Uh, Selma had to withdraw, and she finished in 12th place because of her issues with multiple sclerosis. She developed that, I guess, or diagnosed in 2018. 
and she's in remission or was in remission at, at the time of the show, but she still suffered the consequences of it. Uh, incredible fatigue. She had a lot of speech glitches where they would show it on TV that some of the things she would just kind of freeze up. Uh, she had movement and balance challenges, and I guess her doctors just said, this is too rigorous a thing for you to do a whole season. But uh, she came back in the finale, which everyone does, you know, uh, all the contestants, and they let her do a solo dance where all the other contestants were doing multiple dances together, or they danced together, multiple people. And she was so good, uh, it would have been interesting to see how well she could have done as far as where she would have placed in the season if she would have been allowed to compete. Um, but uh, because of the MS issue, she had to drop out. So Selma Blair, my number uh, five most inspirational contestant. Number four, going back to season 27. And this was one of those, when I heard about it before, I'm like, how is this going to, how is this going to work? And this, this more than anything, I think, because we're going to talk about Danielle Umstead. Um, she finished in 12th place, but Danielle Umstead is legally blind. Think about that for a minute. Uh, uh, da- dancing without hearing the music is one thing. How do you dance, which requires movements and matching your partner when you can't see? I just did not know how this was going to work. And um, I said legally blind. They showed she wasn't totally blind. They showed what she sees when she looks, and it was awful. It was a big black hole in the center, or black circle, I guess you'd say, and then around the edges, it was all blurred. And I'm like, I don't still get how you could do this. And there's no doubt she had some issues. You know, uh, you just can't match your partner when you can't see them and timing issues and so forth. And she did have to be moved around the floor a lot. Her partner was uh, Artem and he did a good job of moving her around the floor, you know, kind of guiding her. But she did a great job. She was a Paralympian skier, which I guess they do that when they can't see with with sounds. They know where they turn on the, the skiing uh, path or whatever. It's, it's just crazy to me. But uh, there's a little uh, audio clip here for uh, Danielle back in uh, season 27. Bruno. It's lovely, my darling. You really try to use the floor more. You put a lot of drive into your steps. There was a slight incident, you know, in the footwork, but it came out of good intentions because you were trying to do what we told you to do to flow more, which you tried. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it don't work out, yeah. but you're going in the right direction because you. you're taking on the challenge yeah. and your shoulder, shoulders were better. Just a, <gasps> yes. a slight... I've been working on those for a really long my time. time. My <laughs> whole life. I'm like this all the time. <laughs> but you're going the right way. Just a tiny little incident, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Carrie Ann. Last night you inspired us all, but tonight you impressed me because the way you handled... You so I saw you get lost and I saw it almost get out of your grasp in the middle there. But when you came back, the contact was even better. The whole, like you dance with much more gusto and much more confidence. So sometimes a mistake can lead to something wonderful. And that's what I saw tonight. Thank you so much. Nicely done, Danielle. Well, I've got to say, Danielle, of all of our celebrities, yours is the greatest challenge. (laughs) And to see you come out and dance to that standard, I think is a total inspiration to America. Well done. Thank you. Ah, yes, Lynn mentions the word inspiration. And, and again, I, I will go back and watch some of her dances. And she didn't have many because she was second eliminated that season. 
uh, still really good for a blind person. It's like Max was saying, it's mind boggling to me how she could do what she did. Uh, Danielle Umstead, uh, my fourth most inspirational person in the history of the show. Uh, number three, let's go back to season 25, a person who finished in fifth place, Victoria Arlen. She was a Paralympian swimmer. And if you watch Victoria dance in that season, you would think, and you didn't know what my list was here, it'd be like, how can she be in this list? She wasn't impaired in any way. Uh, granted, she still did have some issues, lingering issues, but what she went through as a young young girl, it, it was just amazing. And that's what I'm basing all this on. They showed some video clips of her, and I can't even tell you the words what she had. She had some kind of disease. I could try to do it. Transverse myelitis and acute seminated encephalitis. <laughs> Give it up. Yeah, just an awful thing. And they showed a lot of video clips of and video footage of her. She was in a vegetative state for basically four years. And just heartbreaking to watch this young girl. You know, she couldn't eat, she couldn't move, she couldn't speak. And the doctors were like, you know, she's going to die. And I just can't imagine her family going through that and what she went through. And then somehow she comes out of the coma and she starts the rehab process. And they show that. And it's like, you know, she can't walk. She can't do anything. She's going to have to relit or relearn everything. And they showed some of it. And I want to play a clip here. This isn't the judges. This is just one of the video clips that the show put on to explain her situation. And as they're as you're listening to this, just try to envision that they're showing these these images of her too, not being able to do anything. And so for her to come and finish out what she did in that season is just amazing. So let's listen to a little of that. When I was 11, I developed two incredibly rare neurological conditions. They targeted my brain and my spinal cord. Basically, my body started attacking itself. She started to decline very quickly. She was in a wheelchair. She was having trouble swallowing, and I could see in her face that she didn't know who I was. I went from being a normal, happy kid to a complete veg vegetable. I was having seizures every two to five minutes. It was horrible. I mean, as a father, when you can't protect your child. One of my first memories of being locked in, this doctor basically said, she's not going to make it. You need to accept the fact that your child's going to die. I just wanted to scream. At that moment, I decided that I'd be damned if this is how my story ends. In 2010, I started to get my hands back, my talking back, my ability to sit up and hold my head up, but the only thing that didn't come back was my legs. Tell me about life in a wheelchair. What is it like? I rocked it, but you know, it was a reminder of where I'd gone through. It was like a beacon. I couldn't get over it. I was told by every expert that I would never walk again, but I was also told I would never talk again and move again and let alone live. So I refused to give up. I would describe Victoria as one of the most determined people I've ever been around. A shoulder! That was better! During our first training session, she told me that she wanted to be the first person in the wheelchair to be on Dancing with the Stars. My reply was, why do in a wheelchair? My gosh, I was getting emotional watching it again. The pictures they were showing of her, I can't imagine having a child going through that and you can't really do anything to help them. Just amazing. But what a, what a success story. And uh, she came on the show and she finished in fifth place. 
And like I said, uh, you would watch her and you'd be like, I don't see anything wrong. So for her, it was more the backstory of what she overcame uh, to be on this show. So Victoria Arlen, number three. Number two, most inspirational, going back to season 20, Noah Galloway finished in third place. Um, Noah was an Iraqi war vet. vet. He got uh, hit with a roadside bomb and he ended up losing his his uh, elbow, I'm sorry, his arm above the elbow, his left arm, and he ended up losing his left leg below the knee. I'm sorry, above the knee. Gosh, I'm still emotional from watching that Victoria thing that I'm having trouble here. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he lost his, let's get this right. He lost his left arm above his elbow and his left leg above the knee. So he didn't have the joint movement in either of those appendages left. And again, when I heard this story, I'm like, how in the hell is he going to do this? Now, we've seen one with a, a leg uh, prosthetic before, Heather Mills we talked about, but that was, a, that was below the knee. She still had the use of the bendability factor of the knee joint. His is above the knee. How is he going to move that? That's going to be super stiff-legged, and obviously there's things he's not going to be able to do that are required in a dance, and you just have to make a little bit of an allowance for that. Um, and then same thing with the elbow. I'd never heard of or above cut off above the elbow. How do you? How are you going to do that? Is he going to wear a prosthetic arm? And you know you have to be in hold in this dance. How is that going to work? Well, he tried the arm in a couple of the dances and. He did not like it. So he went the whole season without an arm prosthesis. And you just have to watch the season or watch some of his dances to understand what I'm talking about here. It's just unbelievable what this guy did. And, of course, he only had the one arm and the one leg, so he was in an incredible buff shape because he had to do twice the work with his left arm. I'm sorry, his right arm and right leg that he normally would do. And he would lift his partner was uh, Sharna. He would lift Shauna, Sharna above his head with one arm, the one arm he had. And again, it, it, you talk about emotional and inspirational when you would watch that. I think um, in my clip here, Julianne gets really emotional. And uh, uh, let's just listen to them. I don't want to go any further here. I'm going to get too emotional. So this is a audio clip of the judges with uh, Noah Galloway back in season 20. Julianne, you start. I don't even know where to begin. Um, week after week, I've always said how strong and how in control and how focused you are in everything that you do. And today was the same thing, but there was something different. And there was something that was free and something that was so beautiful. And we all felt it here tonight. And there was something that we also would like to say thank you for, because when you stand in front of that mirror, we all have things that we look at and we don't like about ourselves. But for you to have something physical and you come out here and do what you do and astonish us every single a week. You help us to be done. Your experiences are unimaginable, but your spirit soars unbroken, my darling. You really are the ultimate role model. You want a superhero? There it is. There you go. There it is. I pass my baton to you, Julianne, about crying, because this is, it's just, beyond your story, which we all salute and appreciate and are mesmerized and inspired by, 
when you dance, which is why we're here, to me it's like a haiku, which in my culture is like a brilliant piece of art. With very few words, you say something very profound. And that dance, although maybe some of the movements are smaller or your vocabulary is less than some of the other contestants, it was more profound than most. suited you, Noah. It's no guts, no glory. You are an inspiration, and I think everyone here should stand up and applaud you. Yeah, that was something. Uh, Julianne did a good job of holding back her tears, because what that guy did and what he has to live with every day of his life is, is just amazing. And he made it all the way to third place in uh, season 20. Yeah, some of his movements, you know, he couldn't do. And uh, Carrie Ann mentioned that, you know, your, your moves have to be limited because of your limitations. Uh, but uh, unbelievable story. And I, I would be like, how could anybody be more inspirational than that? Well, I have one. <laughs> My number one ins- inspirational story uh, goes back to season 18. She finished in uh, second place, and that is Amy Purdy. Um, this one, man... I could not keep from crying every week with her. <laughs> you know, um, she was a 19-year-old girl, and she developed bacterial meningitis. And she was on the show. Um, I can't remember what she was now, how she got on the show or what her claim to fame was. That's awful. I don't remember that now. I don't remember if she was a Paralympian or not. But uh, she lost both of her legs uh, to this bacterial meningitis at 19, and she went through kidney failure. And a lot of other issues that she still dealt with to that day. I remember in the finale against Merrill Davis, they were showing the two of them when the judges were getting ready or did their critiques and they were getting ready to announce the winner. She was in such unbelievable pain. I think it was back pain that day. You could see it written all over her face. She was trying to fight back tears because of the pain she was experiencing when they were getting ready to crown the champion. And, you know, you would think that, okay, that's when you're going to be focused on, oh, I might be the champion here. Well, in real life gets in the way, and the pain that she was experiencing was so bad. I felt so bad for her that day. It was even hard for her to talk uh, because of the pain. So she still had tons of lingering issues. But I'm like, okay, we've seen people with one leg. How is she going to do this if she doesn't have any lower legs? And, you know, there's incredible artificial limbs these days and so forth. And I'm thinking, okay, what do you do when you have to do uh, the quick step? Uh, these are wooden or whatever they are kinds of legs. How are you going plastic or how are you going to zoom across that floor? Well, if you've ever seen Paralympians run, uh, they have these, I think they call them blade legs. They're, they're kind of like springy things, like almost, what would it be, pogo stick kind of legs where you just bounce around. They kind of help you with bouncing. And she brought them out for the quick step and it was unreal. It was like, you didn't notice it because everything was so light and carefree and easy with her movements. And then um, for one of her contemporaries, you know, she, she pulled out uh, artificial legs that had pointed feet. You know, she had the leg part down lower, the lower leg part, and then the foot attachment pointed straight down. And so she had to stand on her toes, basically. And I think this may be the one, in fact, where uh, the audio clip I'm going to play here, I think it, Carrie Ann mentions it. But uh, yeah, let's look at Amy Purdy, or listen to Amy Purdy and the judges talking about her. 
I'm glad you're talking first. <laughs> My darling, I oh, can, one thing I can guarantee to you, there won't be a dry eye in the country tonight. Because that was so heart-wrenching, yet it was inspirational and life-affirming. It really transcended dance. It was a message of, of universal value. Borderline miraculous, my darling. I love you for what you do. I really do. Carry on. The song is why it's called Almost Human, Only Human. And you, you really truly remind us all of what it is to be human at its fullest potential. You are just so inspiring. And the way you were able to balance on those toes the way you did and exposing your feet and really letting us see the physicality of what you were doing in that just made it so much more beautiful. Well done. Thank you. All right, love. Well, it, it touched my brain with the level of difficulty and it touched my heart with the level of artistry in that it was truly beautiful. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. There are not enough superlatives. There just simply are not. And, and I hope that you know what you are doing for people when they see you dance every week. I hope that you are feeling that love. And to see you walk for the first time again and dance for the first time again, anyone who's facing a challenge, you are letting them know that they too, we too, can begin again anew. Thanks. No matter what the story. Okay, that last judge was Robin Roberts. Had four uh, judges that that week, and so yeah, they encapsulated it all very well. Uh, you know, the show is about dance, but it's, it can be so much more. And when you immerse your show yourself in this show. Phew, it brings a lot of uh, emotions to your life. And yeah, boy, Amy, every week I was crying over her, it seemed like. Um, so if you guys want to, uh, I don't know, you're feeling down about yourself and about things, go back and look at some of these dances from these people. And uh, you'll see, uh, it'll, it'll inspire you, I think. It's just amazing what the human spirit can do when they put their mind to it. Okay, so let's finish this thing up. How's the time looking? Uh, not good, sorry. <laughs> uh, let's finish up with a contest question. Not going to go over all this. Look, uh, listen to the last two shows if you want to know what we're doing here. But we're giving away a trip to go see Dancing with the Stars live in person. And I've already got one of the trips set up uh, for this year, uh, this year from one of last year's winners. So super excited about that. And then, of course, it's always just about can we get tickets. But I'm hopeful again this year. Uh, so what we're doing is we're asking a question each week. And you're going to supply the answer uh, all nine of them, and turn them into me at the end of the year. And whoever gets them all right, go into LA if they want to see the show live and in person. So last week, I mentioned that there was a couple of all the dances, of course, that had the dance of the night for me. Uh, just my opinion, I was like, wow, that was the dance of the night for me. What couple did I say had the dance of the night last week? And that is the question of the week. Turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. And tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing again. That, of course, is Don Meredith, and he always tells us when it's time to get out of here. Um, I mentioned last two weeks, I think, at the end of the season, we always, or at the end of the show, we always do a song that reminds me 
of the iconic dances of Dancing with the Stars. That's what we're doing uh, this season. Uh, in the past, we've done different kinds of things, but uh, this season I wanted to do that. So this is one of those songs that when I hear it, I think of a, of a dance that was on Dancing with the Stars. So let's just listen to this for a little while. That's by a group called DNCE, four letters. And I looked it up. I'm like, okay, what's what's this got to do with anything? There wasn't too much of an explanation. It just said, yeah, that's uh, dance without the A. Okay, yeah, I guess that's what it is. A group formed by Joe Jonas. I think he's on lead vocals there. This was their big hit. I think they're kind of a one-hit wonder. I don't know if they're officially done yet or not. Joe Jonas went back and did the Jonas Brothers stuff, and they may bring it back. Who knows? But when I hear this, I think of Niall DeMarco and his opening night cha-cha of season 22. We talked about Niall in the most inspirational list just a minute ago. And uh, this was one of those few times in opening night when I saw a contestant who I had no clue would be good or not, and he was, remember, totally deaf. He just knocked that cha-cha out of the park. One of the few times where I'm like, that guy's going to be in the finals because of everything he brings, his looks, his ability to dance, his story, and sure enough, he ended up winning season 22. So Cake by the Ocean reminds me of Nao DeMarco and Pita's Cha-Cha in season 22. Okay, next week on Dancing with the Stars, it's Motown night in the ballroom, and they announced that Michael Strahan, the guy that's everywhere these days, he's on Good Morning America, of course, he's going to be a guest judge, and that should be fun. I guess he... Drew up in Detroit, so he's probably going to have some uh, feelings about Motown music, and I bet it's going to be a stone gas, honey, next week. All right, thanks to TC for doing this for us, getting it out to you guys, and, of course, a big thank you to all you guys for listening. Remember, next week, Motown night. I'll be back next week to talk to you about it. Until then, this is Tony the Engineer. Bye-bye.